everyone and welcome back to Murder, Lies and Everything in Between, a true crime podcast with me, Jess, and my husband, Atty. Hi, guys. Hope everyone's good this week. Um, we've had quite a chilled week, to be honest. I'm loads better after last week. Um, hopefully, I sound a little bit better than I did last week. Atty's got kind of, he's had a bit of a raspy cough as well, kind of. I think you picked it up off me, didn't you, both? Well, you gave me the plague. Yeah. Um, but I am feeling loads, loads better, and I sound a lot better, thank God. So hopefully I'm a little bit clearer than I was last week. <clears throat> Still got a little bit of a cough, but nothing as bad as kind of... I did have over Christmas. I was dying for like two weeks, wasn't I, babe? I think you've been a bit dramatic. Felt like I was fucking dying of the yeah, plague. I still went to work every single day, still celebrated Christmas and everything else. We still managed to get everything done, just a little bit slower than normal, didn't we? <laughs> so today's sources um, for this case is um, My Crime Library, Murderpedia. Um, I actually read a really, really good article in Rolling Stones magazine. And the guy did, he covered it really, really well. Um, He did a lot of, um, did a hell of a lot of interviews with like majority of people involved in this case. Um, Grunge.com, Bing.com, TCPalm.com and CourthouseNews.com. So used quite a lot of different articles for this case this week. So, today we are covering the case of the Hadley family. So, I know you haven't heard of this one, babe. Um, This is a kind of a one that you haven't really heard much about, have you, all week while I've been researching either. So, you don't know anything about this case at all. Um, So, Tyler Joseph Hadley was born in Port St. Lucie, Florida on the 16th of December 1993. Um, his parents were Mary Jo and Blake Hadley, and he actually had an old brother, Ryan, who was actually six years older than him. Uh, Mary Jo and Blake had moved to Port St. Lucie to be close to Blake's parents, who had kind of like reti- retired to the nearby town of Stuart. Okay, so they just moved to be closer to his parents. Um, they both absolutely loved their jobs and they adored both of their kids. Blake was actually a plant operator for the Florida Power and Light plant. Um, and he'd actually worked there for over for that company for over 30 years. Right. And Mary Jo was actually an elementary school teacher. And she'd worked at like elementary since she'd moved to Port St. Lucie. So for qu- quite a long time she'd been an elementary school teacher. Um, Cameron Adams was a former student of Mary Jo's when he was in elementary school. And he stated, quote, no matter who you were, even if she didn't like you, she would never give up on you. She loved her job and everyone who knew her loved her. Blake absolutely loved his job too, um, but he was absolutely besotted and doted on his sons. So he basically just lived for his two sons. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, And he just, as I said, he doted on both of them. Um, The whole family would attend church every Sunday and they all seemed like the kind of typical American family, what you would think, you know changed hurts on Sundays, you know, all seemed to enjoy each other's company. Nothing seemed to kind of be off about them. But as Tyler kind of, Tyler was known by his family as being kind of like a really happy child, affectionate, funny. And he was always kind of like cuddling his mum and he was always like super affectionate to his mum. You never knew what would come out of his mouth, though, according to his aunties. Sometimes it was good, sometimes not. It was kind of the way they said it. They said, you know, sometimes he didn't really say stuff that you wanted him to say, but then sometimes he did kind of say really, really funny things. Um, Tyler was kind of prone to illnesses, though, um, kind of as he was kind of quite young. He was actually born premature, so he was a premature baby, um, and he had to stay in hospital for three weeks when he was born so they they kind of said that he would get sick more than his brother would so his brother wouldn't get poorly and then Tyler would get poorly so like he would get like chicken pox or something and that but Ryan wouldn't get chicken pox so Tyler just happened to be that that kid that did get poorly quite often he would get everything (coughs) basically anything and everything basically pretty much yeah um and this may have actually been a symptom of his hormone imbalance and his diagnosis of hypothyroidism so it's an underactive thyroid yeah so it's basically like a glandular condition 
Um, Rianne Wallace, um, the Headley's neighbour, knew Tyler from when he was born. And she said, quote, he seemed like a happy kid, very respectful, polite. He liked to skateboard, ride his bike, toss a football in the street. When asked not to throw the ball too close to her car, he just said, yes, ma'am. He was always very, very polite. When she and her husband went away for the weekend, she gave Tyler a few dollars to kind of keep an eye over the house. And he did. He was really respectful. So someone, a kid that you wouldn't mind living next door to you. Tyler had kind of always seemed really close to his parents, according to her. And um, kind of as a boy, he would wait, like he'd wait up late at night in the evenings waiting for his brother, um, for his dad to return home from work from like if he was doing a night shift at the power plant. And they would like play basketball for hours in the driveway, like till like it's gone dark. On weekends, she would hear like them all splashing around and like laughing in the backyard pool and that. Right. So they just seemed like a really, really happy family. That was until Tyler started to get a little bit older and he started kind of having issues with his mental health and he suffered, started suffering with like bouts of depression and like really low self esteem and anger. And he actually also developed an eating disorder, which we don't hear off much of males. We don't really hear that very often. It's more female focused. And his parents did all the things you'd hope they'd kind of do. They took him to see a professional where he received counselling. He got medication when he needed it. But nothing was kind of like a permanent fix for him. When Tyler was just 10 years old, he actually turned to one of his mate's house, Mark Andrews, who he'd kind of become friends with. And he actually told him that him and his mum, him and his mum got into a massive fight. And instead of just saying, Oh, I hate my mum, I hate my mum and my dad, he took it to the extremes of saying that, oh, well, I actually want to kill both of my parents. They kind of both laughed it off. Mark shrugged it off as just being a passing comment. But obviously later on, this comment would resurface to the top of his mind. As Tyler got older and into his teenage years, around kind of the age of 12, 13, he started to experiment with alcohol and drugs. This would actually develop into a real issue later on as well. This was when there was kind of a clear change in his behaviour. He started to hang around with a crowd at school that his family felt that were a really bad influence on him. He was getting into trouble all the time. He started stealing from his family and his family were kind of like having to hide their purses and stuff away from him when, they, when he was in the house. Um, and on one occasion, him and his friends dragged an abandoned sofa into a nearby River Park wildlife preserve and set it on fire causing the forest to actually catch a light not only that they actually siphoned off fuel at a fuel station to start the fire so not the typical thing you would expect from a 12 13 year old kid you know mm. setting fire to a forest essentially and siphoning off fuel they actually just received a warning for this indiscretion nothing kind of more they just kind of got a slap on the wrist for this Port St. Lucie was known to the younger generation as having nothing to do, nowhere to go. There were a couple of shops and an arcade, and that was pretty much it. According to a teenager who lived in the area, the whole mindset of Port St. Lucie is that it's boring. So I'm not going to do anything, but I'm just going to throw a party. In other towns, there are places where teens can hang out, but not in, in Port St. Lucie. It's a bit like what where I grew up. A lot like that. There's not really a lot for you to do. Nowhere for you to go but hang around and cause trouble kind of thing. Must be a boy. Must be boring though, isn't it? Do you must be mean? so boring, yeah. Especially at that age as well. You know, you can't. It's not like you can go to the local pub or anything and have a drink or whatnot. No. You know, so yeah. There didn't even seem to be that there. From every, from all the comments and all the interviews I read, it was all very much there was nothing to do, and there was a lot of there was a lot of emphasis on there's nothing to do in the area for right. kids. It may have changed now, but I'm talking over 10 years ago yeah. that this happened. So in April 2011, Tyler actually got into a fight and he was arrested and charged with aggravated battery. And he was actually sentenced to one week in St. Lucie County Jail. And then he had two weeks house arrest after this. So three weeks in all. Um, of course, Mary Jo and Blake were pissed off about this and they confiscated his phone as punishment for this which is exactly the right thing to do. Exactly the right thing that parents should be doing. As Tyler no longer had a phone to speak to any of his friends in private, most of his conversations went down on good old social media. 
and Facebook was a thing at this point, okay? So we amazingly have a lot of the conversations from this time because it all went down on social media. So it was all for everyone to basically see. So I will read out a couple of conversations as I go through this case um, because these are all public knowledge kind of thing. I don't know what I don't get is they punished him by taking away his phone, but he still had access to a computer. Yeah, so he had, there was a family computer in the house. Right, okay. And this is what he used. Right, okay. Yeah, there was a family why would computer. You let, why would you let him use a computer? I don't know. I mean, I'm he could have said, I'm doing it for schoolwork, or you just don't know, do you? Turn off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you punish kids these Turn up the dial-up. No, no, <laughs> turn no, off you, that. No, you turn off that internet. No you, more. You only had to pick up the phone to not get any internet when there was dial-up. Yeah, but that was like eight, you know, back in my day, do you know what I mean? It was a long time ago, yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of these conversations went down I, over kind of social media. But the good thing about this is, is that we actually get a bit of an insight into what was kind of going through his head in the months leading up to this case. So on one particular occasion, he had a conversation with a guy called Isadora Gacho. I don't know if that was his name. Okay, but that's where his screen name was. So he messaged Isadora and said, "Don't text me about drugs." They said, what happened? My mum my mum has it because I got arrested on Monday and she's flipping shit. I just got out today. Oh, shit. Tyler went, oh, sh- fucking sucked. Fucking shit sucked. And he went, you bad kid. And he went, I'm just kidding. It's a pirate's life for me. It's a very weird conversation. Well, it is, but yeah. Yeah. And they go, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't fucking associate with non-pirates. Isadora went, what? Tyler, oh, okay, I'm done with all this nautical nonsense. Isadora, you're so silly. What are you doing? Tyler, nothing, considering suicide. Isadora said, why? Tyler said, "Mm, because I want to die, I guess. What other reasons are there? Isadora said, are you being serious? Tyler said, yes. I I do want to die sometimes. Isadora said, don't die. Smoke a bowl whenever you're down. I don't know what a bowl is. I might be completely out of touch, but I don't know what a bowl is. I'm assuming Does it mean a a joint? Does it mean a bong? Maybe. It says a bowl. In the screen thing, it says a bowl. It could be a bowl. If you can shine some light light on it. What's a bowl? We have bongs in the UK. I mean, I'm sure you probably have them in the US where this case happened as well. It might be called something else, else, you know what I mean? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, you never know. What did you say? Smoke a bowl? Smoke a bowl whenever you're down. Maybe go in the kitchen and get a bowl and smoke (laughs) it. Tyler said, I used to. Now I drink a lot when I'm depressed. It's got to be weed. It must be, yeah. It fills the emptiness inside of me. Isadora says, you're quite a character. Tyler said, yes, but all the smiles are fake. So these, hopefully these kind of chats can give you a bit of an idea about how his mindset is, what he's thinking, how he speaks, how he speaks to his friends, how freely and openly he talks about this shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on a Friday night in June, Tyler actually returned home late at night, absolutely fucking wasted. And he actually wanted to get into his bedroom, but he was climbing through his bedroom window Obviously, his parents caught him doing this. Obviously, he was being really, really loud. Um, But they were more pissed off about the fact that he drove home in his car in that state. So he drink drink drove. Yeah. They'd had enough at this point, and that's when they admitted him to New Horizons Mental Health Clinic in their outpatient substance abuse programme. So they really tried to help Tyler. They did exactly the right things that good, supportive parents should do. Of course, yeah. They did everything they should have done. Um, And in this service, he had to attend daily counselling, so he had no choice but to do this. Mary Jo and Blake um, invoked the Baker Act, which actually means in Florida, parents can actually commit their children if they're under 18 for involuntary psychiatric treatment, which is quite good. I think that's a really good law to have. Um, They confiscated his phone again, and they actually confiscated his car at the same time, which 100% behind their decision, exactly the right thing to do if your child has, has... Drove drunk. Yeah. 100% the fucking right thing to do. So this would seem to be the time that Tyler actually made the decision about what he was going to do. Um, He just had enough following his parents' rules, basically. He was going to live the life that he wanted to live, 
not the parents his life his pa- his parents wanted him to live. So he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. But that's a fair fair comment. It's a seventeen year old yeah, way of still, thinking. Yeah, but still, do you know what I mean, we were all at that age at some point, and we all must have thought that at some point. It's just like I, yeah, I, I get I, it. Yeah, I thought bad. You know what I mean? At seventeen, it was like my parents tried to push me to go to college, university, whatever yeah. you guys call it over there. I didn't want to do that. Yeah, me, I wanted to leave school and just go work work any job. Yeah, yeah. I did. To earn money, so I can get out of it. Yeah, but you weren't—you weren't drink driving. You weren't doing drugs. You weren't doing all that shit. No, but my got my goal was because they're always rules. I understand it in some ways now. Some aspect of it, yeah. It's their house, their rules. I under, yeah. yeah, I understand that. But then also they try to push me into into the wrong direction instead of yeah. um, helping me and feed, like you know, yeah, going, yeah, what, guiding what, you, like guiding, yeah, yeah. To, to go to where what direction I wanted to go to. They tried to force it onto me, yeah. And you know what I'm like? You forced me one way, I'm gonna go completely opposite. Yeah, even, it's like even now, do yeah, you know you what I mean? Do, yeah, worse now, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I understand. I understand that feeling because I was a teenager as yeah. well. So I get that feeling. But they did all the right things as parents. They they punished him they did all the things that they thought they would do to help him yeah. obviously this wasn't the way he was feeling no but obviously remember going back you know when you were 16 17 you know when your parents punished you for whatever you'd be pissed off wouldn't you you'd be pissed off like kids get pissed off now you, you, you get take away their phones and things like that because people yeah. live on their phones god forbid you know it's not so much when we were obviously yeah. that age but when they took something we loved do you know yeah. what I mean? Whether that's a Walkman or a display, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'll be honest or, with you. Or, my parents. Or they took away our TVs and you couldn't watch TV for a week or Oh, like... no. My parents my parents stopped punishing me once I hit about 14, 15. Yeah. My parents stopped punishing me but because they just let me do whatever I wanted pretty much. But my like my dad's way of punishing me, if we were having a fight, like my dad's way of punishing me, if I had music up too loud or whatever, he'd cut the fucking plug off. Yeah. He'd do stuff like that to me. He would really get me where and i was never upset with him because i'm like well how can i be angry at that (laughs) like he's not i'm just like well he paid for it like i can't say anything but but still do you know what i mean like you know some parents punish their children yeah in different ways in different ways and and you do you you get pissed i remember getting punished at 16 17 do you know what i mean i'm i'm not gonna sit here and say like you know i was the golden child because i was fucking far from it i was don't put your hand in the fire. I put my hand in the fire. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just see what fucking happens, kind of thing. Do you know what and, though? And I got punished for it. And I got punished for it. And I got pissed off. Because I got punished for it. Yeah, but you didn't do what this fucking guy. No, no, obviously, <laughs> I didn't take it to that at that extreme. All I knew, all I knew was I, I wanted that. I wanted out. Yeah, I wanted it gone. Do you know what I mean? The quicker, the quicker I, I can get out of there, the ha- the happier I would be. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, I get it. Well, I mean, friends of Mary Jo seem to kind of be concerned that. Tyler would actually hurt her or someone else. So they were worried for her. And they actually stated to her that they were worried about this. And she didn't think that. She didn't think that he was going to hurt them at all. Didn't think anything of it. The main reason that why they had admitted him to the unit was to help him. Right. That's why they did it. So Tyler actually ended up completing the program. Um, but he hadn't obviously forgiven his parents for this. And after this incident, Tyler was actually actively telling his friends that he wanted to kill his parents. He was openly telling people this. His behaviour didn't change over the next month, but his mum kind of felt a bit differently. Right. In a conversation with his friend Mercedes on the 2nd of July, Tyler actually spoke of his frustration of having his phone took away again and said, Tyler commented, yep, she's a cunt, literally, for show. I might kill her. Mercedes said, oh my God, no, jail? Or, I mean, prison. Laugh out loud. Tyler went, oh, well, heart. So he's wrote this on a screen. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He's wrote it on for people to see. Yeah. He's wrote it blatantly. Marky Phillips, who was a close friend of Tyler's, um, he was actually chilling with him one, house, one night about two weeks before the events of the 16th of July. And when Tyler actually come out with, quote, he wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after. Nobody ever done that before. Marky kind of just passed off the comment and didn't take him seriously in this. So I just want to make it clear that he told a hell of a lot of his friends that he wanted to kill his parents. And every last one of them didn't say a fucking word. They all thought 
he was joking. And I mean, once you, if it was just one or two friends, you'd be thinking, oh, yeah, maybe. We're talking 10, 15, 20 people that he'd said, I want to kill my parents yeah. actively, openly talking about it. So just weeks before the 16th of July, um, Mary Jo had actually spoken to her friends and colleagues about how well Tyler was actually doing lately. And that he seemed, she felt that he seemed to be returning back to himself. Little did she know what was going on in his mind. And the weekend before the crime, Tyler, his dad, his brother and his grandparents actually went to a family reunion in Georgia. And his grandfather stated that he didn't see anything being off between him and his parents. They never saw him lose his temper. He was literally just being a normal 17-year-old. Nothing out of the ordinary with him. So during this visit, though, it was actually noted that he was messaging friends, which is a normal thing for a teenager to be doing. Um, but he was actually arranging a party at his house unbeknownst to them. And also at that time, he was actually figuring out if he was going to really do what he'd wanted to do for weeks and what he'd been talking about for weeks. He told everyone at school that he was going to throw a massive party. Nobody believed him. His parents had recently started to get more strict with his rules and his punishments. There was no fucking way that they were going to allow him to throw a rager at their house. It just wasn't going to happen. So on the 15th of July, it was a Friday, the Hadleys all went out for a family dinner. And on the way back, Tyler actually bumped into his friend Cameron Adams, who was one of Mary Jo's students when he was in elementary school, we talked about him in the beginning. Um, and it happened to actually be his birthday that day. Tyler said kind of, oh, you're right, mate. Like, how's it going? And he said, yeah, it's my birthday today. And Tyler commented that, oh, happy birthday. Why don't you come to my house tomorrow? I'm having a big party. We'll celebrate. So he'd already planned this party in his head. So in messages between him and his friends on Facebook, we can see how the conversations played out and where they were wanting to find out. They were wanting to find out if this party was actually going to go ahead. Yeah. So you can see all these conversations on it. And as he's having these conversations, he replies, I'm working on it. That's what he says, I'm working on it. At 11.25 on the morning of Saturday the 16th of July 2011, the following messages were exchanged between Tyler and a guy called Antonio Ramirez. Tyler said, sup bruh, Antonio, chilling, what are you doing tonight? Trying to have a party at my crib. Your parents ain't home? Nope. Well, they're leaving soon. This is the conversation that he had with okay. Antonio. He spoke to his best friend, Michael Mandel, that day, and he, confined, he confided with him the night before that the night before he'd actually stood over his sleeping parents with the intention to kill them, but he said he couldn't. He basically bottled it and he couldn't do it. Michael didn't think his friend could do that, and again, he brushed these comments off. So another person that's just brushed these comments off. He then posted a message on his Facebook wall at 1.15pm saying, party at my crib tonight. Maybe. After this, nothing was heard of Tyler until 8.15, so quarter past eight that night, where he posted on his wall again saying, party at my house, hit me up. So what has changed in those seven hours where his parents and his friends wondered exactly the same thing? Where was his parents? Where were they? What had he done in those seven hours in between these messages? Party at my crib, maybe. Party at my crib, hit me up. What's happened in those seven hours? His friend Ashley Hayes thought exactly the same thing. She commented saying, whoa, what if your parents come home? Tyler said, they won't, trust me. Every teenager started to hear about this party. There was nothing to do in Port St. Lucie. Remember, all the kids in the area didn't have anything to do. So they were all going to attend a party, even if they didn't even know Tyler, which wow. most of them didn't. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah, you're laughing because you know, most of them were just fucking strangers to him. They could only identify him through physically seeing his face. Some of them didn't even know it was his party. They didn't know whose party it was. Exactly. Good old days going to random parties. Yeah, is that sounding like what your yeah. childhood is like? Who's Alan? I don't know who Alan is. This is right. I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for fun. Yeah. Yeah. I there was a party, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you didn't intend a party like this. 
So during that well, day, I don't know. Could have, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe, I just, yeah. I just turned up to them. Hopefully not. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many house parties have you gone to back in the day? You just yeah. turn up and be like, oh, you know, how do you know so and so? I don't know who or she. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? It's fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> so during that day, he actually went to a cash machine and withdrew a large sum of cash um, using his parents' debit card. I won't say exactly how much it was because in one source I saw $500, another source I saw around $5,000. Okay. I don't even know if you can withdraw $5,000 in cash. I think they should. I think they all, I don't know. It could work different in America. It could be. We, we have, a limit. have different limits. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously, we, we have limits here, don't we? Yeah. But then obviously, it depends on who you bank with for us. And I know you can change the limit, but I think you can only even change the limit to £500. But that's on our account. But my other account, you can only check. They they set the day limit, so the day limit is like two hundred fifty quid. Yeah, you know what I mean. So well, it he all said depends. they said it was a wad of cash. It was reported that it was a wad of cash. He well, looked around five grand. Well, what's so the I don't of, know. If the cash machine puts it out all in tens, five hundred be a wad. Could it put out all in ones as well? I know. Do you know what I mean? Be a wad of cash. We don't have one one pound things. We have one pound coins. Yeah, so pay, we don't yeah, have notes no, no, for that. No. So yeah. So, when Tyler was asked by multiple people where his parents were, he told them all different things. He told one friend they'd gone to Orlando, another to Georgia, another they didn't even live there anymore. He he owned, he was the only one that lived there. Right. So, he told them all different things. At around 9.30, Tyler picked up a few friends to take him back to his house. And he actually told Jesse DeRay, who was in the car... That quote, something real crazy would come out in the next week or so. When he asked what Tyler meant, he just said, you'll find out. At the party started to get kind of lively and livelier, the more people were turning up. And at one point, around 100 teenagers filled this one story home. A hundred fucking teenagers. That is a lot of children by midnight. It's not just me that thinks that's a lot of fucking people. Hundred people. Well, like you said, if they've got nowhere to go, do you know what I mean? Surprised you can even move. I've seen the house, and it's not that fucking big for a hundred people. Yeah, it's you, crazy. You think you got the you got outside front garden, back garden? Yeah. You know, hundred people is a lot, but like you said, if you spread spread them out. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, you know. I mean, they had the typical thing going on, like what most parties do. They had beer pong um, that was being played in the kitchen. <laughs> um, kids were kind of... I mean, they were trashing this house. They were absolutely trashing this house. Kids were smoking inside the house. Um, they were stubbing cigarettes out on like the walls and the pictures and the carpets. Yeah. They were throwing rubbish all over the floors. They were just generally trashing the house. There wasn't one area of the house that wasn't absolutely demolished and grimy. Actual friends of Tyler that actually knew him stated that they thought it was strange that Tyler would allow that kind of carnage when his parents would eventually come home and see the devastation that they'd caused to the house. Yeah, but how do you control other kids, you know what I mean, when they're doing things like that? So I do say it in a minute, but at one point, someone comes up to the door when they come in and basically say, oh, you're right, what's the house rules? Yeah. And he says, just don't smoke inside. Right. And then in a bit, he goes, actually, I don't care what you do. Do whatever you want. The thing is, you say don't smoke inside, but there's always going to be that one person, do you know yeah. what I mean, you know? Always, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, Tyler was actually worried that the police were going to turn up. Right. So, as I just said, that they asked if there was kind of any house rules or anything. He said, no, just smoke outside. But then later, when the noise was kind of getting higher and higher and it was getting louder and louder... He just said, look, just stay inside. You can smoke inside. We don't want the police to kind of get called. Fair enough. Music was being played on YouTube from the family computer that was actually situated in the kitchen. And it seemed to kind of be splattered with some kind of brown, sticky liquid. Okay. They assumed that this was kind of either like Coke or beer from the beer pong table. The beer pong table was like right across like the room from it so it wasn't very far so it is plausible yeah it could happen um different guests would kind of take turns in picking the music and at one point one of the lads actually dropped the ping pong ball underneath the desk so it slid off and fell under the desk as he was trying to retrieve it he got it out and he recovered it 
and it was just covered in like a sticky, thick brown substance. Okay. He actively was like, well, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> but just like went to the tap, cleaned it off and carried on playing. Didn't think anything of it. Continued on with his game. A party goer stated that he had noticed that when he turned up at 1.15, the first thing he noticed was the smell, which he described as sweaty clothes that had been sat around too long and that the white tiles on the floor were just grimy and the house was just absolutely filthy. Okay, this is what people are saying. Yeah. The house is a shithole. There's brown, sicky substance over loads of different surfaces, the floor and all this shit. It's just fucking disgusting. Anthony Snook had received a text about the party from a friend. So when he turned up, he saw Tyler and he kind of knew him roughly from school. Wasn't friends with him, but kind of knew him from school. I'm surprised everyone's still awake at half past one. This fucking party goes on till like 4am. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like, you're getting a text now at one o'clock in the morning. I would all be in bed. I'm sorry, back in the day, I'll be like, yeah, mate, if the party don't start until about 10, 11, I ain't rocking up up at one o'clock in the morning. So in a minute, the party moves on to someone else's house. I would be this woman. So remember this in a minute, because I would be this chick in a minute. (laughs) So he thanked him for actually throwing the party. And he noticed that instead of kind of like, kind of Tyler being this introverted guy that he seemed to kind of normally be, he was kind of like calm, but his eyes were the size of saucers, indicating that he was obviously taking drugs throughout the night. So he must have been high on something, and not just weed. He was yeah. he was popping pills. Yeah. Anthony kind of just went off to mingle and left him alone, but he noticed that the master bedroom door was locked. So when he tried to kind of open it, he noticed it was locked, but he did notice that there was a black smear that looked like it had been kind of tried to be wiped away, and it was about a foot long. He didn't think anything more of this, just carried on partying, doing whatever he was doing. Jose Azaro, a soft-spoken 17-year-old, was playing beer pong when he heard someone say, oh, he killed his parents. And then everyone just pissed themselves laughing. Just laughed. Yeah. So during this entire night, Tyler had had multiple odd conversations with people, but he told everyone different things, as we said before. While on a beer run, he told his friend's girlfriend, who he was waiting in the car with, that his dad had died. She apologised, and she thought he meant like a while ago. He died a while ago. Of course, it wasn't until afterwards that it would become clear what he actually really meant by this statement. At about 1am, Tyler asked Michael Mandel, his best friend, to take a walk with him. So, of course, he did. They walked out to the stop sign at the end of the block. And when they got there, Tyler turned to Michael and said, I killed my parents. Michael said, yeah, right. And he said, no, Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see the signs. So he told Michael to look in the driveway. Michael saw that the two family cars were still in the garage, a black Toyota Tacoma truck and a red Ford Expedition. If Tyler's parents were away in Georgia, like he told him, why the fuck were their cars there? How would they have got to Georgia? Yeah. It made absolutely no sense why their cars were still there. But Michael still couldn't believe it. So Tyler took him into the garage and said, kind of walk into the garage with me. As soon as they turned on the light... Michael noticed that there was a red bloody shoe print in the garage. So he knew by this point that he was most likely telling the truth. So Tyler told Michael that he and everyone else had missed all the signs of the murder. The blood spatter, blood all over the house. Still in disbelief over the fact that his friend could do this to his parents. Keeping in mind, these are the same people... Michael had known really well. They'd cooked dinner for him. He knew that family since he was eight years old. He couldn't believe that his friend could kill his parents. He, Michael loved Tyler's parents. Yeah. You know, he knew them really, really well. Well, it's like a second family, isn't it? We all got them, haven't we? Yeah, he was his best friend, yeah. yeah. So Tyler actually then took Michael to his, to his parents' bedroom where that door was locked. Yeah. And as he opened the door, Michael saw a room just full of stuff thrown in there. There was stuff thrown on the bed. On the, it just, it looked like a fucking dumping ground, like a hoarder's house. And under a pile of belongings, he saw Blake Hadley's legs sticking out from underneath it. 
Michael obviously freaked out, slammed the door behind him and obviously shocked at what he'd seen. Tyler then confessed everything that he had done that day. So what he basically said to him Did was... Did he confess it to his mate? Yeah. Yeah. So this this is where he then goes on to tell him everything that actually happened. All right, okay. So that afternoon, just before five o'clock, Tyler had hid his parents' phones so they couldn't, they couldn't call for help, basically. So he'd hid their mobile phones. He listened to the song Feel Lucky by the rapper Lil Boozy to psych himself up for what he was going to do. He then popped three ecstasy pills because he was worried that he wouldn't be able to kill his parents if he was sober. Yeah. Yeah. So in the garage, he found a claw hammer. He then stood behind his mum while she worked at the family computer for five minutes. He just stood there. She didn't even know he was there. He then raised the claw hammer with the claw hammer end, slammed it down onto Mary Jo's head. She obviously screamed, why, Tyler? Why? Obviously, his dad heard the noise. His dad was actually taking like a nap in the master bedroom. His dad rushed in, obviously hearing his wife's screams. Blake ran out of the master bedroom. So Blake was a big man, yeah? He was six foot one. 300 pounds he was a big fucking man but he was renowned by like his family and stuff being gentle giant he would never hurt anybody he was just a big big man they both kind of locked eyes saw each other and he just asked him why and tyler just shouted why the fuck not yeah and he just kept saying why the fuck not just keep on attacking him and then he attacked his dad he then turned on his dad with a claw hammer with the claw hammer and just basically beat his father to death with the claw end of the hammer. Okay. I later on, I will go over the injuries that they actually both sustained from the autopsies. I will go over that in a moment. So you'll be able to see what he actually did do to them, but he basically just beat them both to death right. with, with a hammer. When it was over, Tyler said he wrapped their heads in towels and he dragged them both into the master bedroom. He lay their bodies side by side, face down, with the hammer in between. Oh, how them. did he get the mother upstairs? Would he carry her? It was a ground floor, so there was no. It was one floor. Oh, so yeah, there's no upstairs. No upstairs oh, no. Okay. I thought there was no. No, this upstairs. is no. This is what I was saying with this party. It's all on one floor. I about, about to say, did he fucking no. get the strength to carry his mum no. and a three hundred pound man as so well? So you've got a kitchen. The layout of the house is kind of like you've got the kitchen. And then right next to the like the kitchen unit, that's where they were playing beer pong. Right. Okay. And then right across from that is where they've got the, the um, computer desk. Right. And then right across from that is the master bedroom. Right. It's all okay. on one ground right. level. Yeah. Like it's a bungalow all... for us. It's a bungalow. Yeah, yeah. Like a bungalow in the UK. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have an upstairs. So it was quite easy to drag them into there. Well, probably easier to drag her than it was for him. Three hundred pound of dead weight, I can imagine, is is a lot to yeah. a lot to carry. But then he's you got to remember he's on three pills. You can do a lot when you're on drugs. Well, he ain't fucking Superman, is he? You know what I mean? You can do a lot when you're on drugs. Yeah. So he basically ended up. Um, he decided to just clear, clean, but he was really shit at this. Okay, he spent three hours cleaning up the crime scene. He just did it very very poorly though. So he then decided to just basically throw any piece of incriminating evidence into the bedroom, okay? And that's what he did. Right. This is why it looked like a fucking hoarder's room. There was just stuff thrown in there. Broken dishes, shattered glass, bloody towels, pillowcases, books, a fucking coffee table, a mop, all sorts of stuff. Tyler also then told Michael that he purposely waited for his brother to move out before he killed his parents. His brother moved out six weeks before this. So we know that he's been planning this for at least six weeks. Seriously thinking about this. He then jumped in the shower, cleaned himself up. And as he got out of the shower, he said he looked at himself in the mirror and he just started laughing. Just thought it was hilarious. So Michael being told all this, what do you think Michael did? What would you do? What would you do in that scenario? I'd be in shock. You'd be in shock, yeah. yeah. What should Michael have done in this scenario? Found the popo. So Michael didn't leave the party. Michael stayed at the party. Wow. For a good few hours. 
in a house where he knows that Tyler's parents are fucking dead. Yeah, he's obviously in shock, isn't he? <sighs> he took a picture of him. He took a picture of them too. So this picture is like renowned. And this picture has come back to haunt Michael regularly. Yeah. Like it's it's a somber photo, I'm not gonna lie. It's you can see that they're both in shock. They're completely vacant, they don't look happy in it. But he took a photo. And he basically said, Michael said after this, the reason he did that was because he knew that was going to be the last time he saw his best friend. And it was his best friend. You know, you've got to remember, it is still his best friend. So the pair carried on partying. Like nothing had happened. Michael, though. Was he on drugs as well? No. So um, Michael did do drugs. Sorry. Michael did drugs, but he didn't drink. Right. Yeah. So he was obviously on something as well. Yeah. But they just kind of like partied as though like Blake and Mary Jo's bodies weren't lying in the next room. So Mark Andrews, who had actually known Tyler for years, he was the one that when he was 10 years old, he told him he'd kill his parents. Yeah. This is the same guy. So he decided he wanted to go home. But before he could like kind of leave, Tyler pulled him aside and said, can we, can I speak to you privately outside? He said, okay, come on, let's go outside. So they went outside, sent everyone else away. And Tyler said, dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. Mark said, what are you talking about? Tyler said, dude, I know I know, you are not going to believe me. No one will believe me. I freaking killed somebody. So he's got the best response ever. He says, dude, you killing somebody is your own business. <laughs> don't be telling me that sort of thing. I don't need to know. Sounds like a you problem. This is the kind of thing <laughs> that you would say if someone told you that. I can imagine you saying that and going, that sounds like a fucking you problem. <laughs> yeah. Not a me problem. I'm off. I'm going to go get a fucking a kebab and go home. I'm done, yeah. <laughs> so... Mark pretty much did that and was like, fuck this. I'm not staying here. And he went to leave the party. He was like, I ain't fucking staying here. You're telling me that you killed your fucking parents. I ain't staying here. But before he could leave, he actually saw Michael Mandel, who he told that he killed him. He told him what he told him. And Michael was like, oh, yeah, he admitted that to me as well. Mark was like, well, why the fuck didn't you leave when Tyler told you? Mark then kind of, they didn't, a conversation must have happened between them, but we don't know exactly what happened. All we know is, why didn't you leave, basically? Yeah. Not much more was said after that. Mark then went to go straight home, okay? When he left, later on, he actually did call Crime Stoppers to report what Tyler Hadley had confessed to him. So later on, he did call when he got home. At about 2am... down, yeah? No, this down. was Mark Andrews. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Mark, the, the guy that was like, fuck this, I ain't staying here. That sounds like a you problem kind of thing. Yeah. He did go home and call Crime Oh, Stoppers. he, right, okay. Yeah, he went home and called Crime Stoppers. I don't know why there was a discrepancy of like a few hours, but he did go home and call Crime Stoppers. He went to the kebab house, I told you. He, could, <laughs> he was hungry. He just, found I don't, out some, he just found out some news. He was like, fuck this, I'm, gonna, I'm hungry, I'm going to get some food first. I don't even know if there was a kebab shop in well, there. Well, he also, he also <laughs> went to go and get some food or something. Do you know he went I mean? somewhere, yeah. He did have a girlfriend, so maybe him and his girlfriend went off to do naughty somewhere maybe. before they maybe. went home. I don't know. So at about 2am, someone said that there was another party. So mostly everyone kind of momentarily left the house to track down this other party, but soon returned when they figured out it wasn't true. And this poor girl was actually in bed sleeping when everyone just turned up at her house. That would be me. Sleeping, someone just, all these people just turned up at my house and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sleeping. There's no party here. And they're all like, okay, then bye. That would be me. You ain't coming to my house at two o'clock in the morning and expecting a fucking party. That ain't happening. <laughs> so Rayanne Wallace, um, his next door neighbour, finally got fed up at this point. Right. She couldn't understand why Tyler was throwing such a noisy party or why his parents would even allow it. So when a group of boys from the party actually drifted onto her garden and they started like kind of peering through the window, she was like, oh, I've had enough of this. And she called the police. Two officers from Port St. Lucie Police Department arrived at the house mm -hmm. within kind of a few minutes. By that point, there were only about 20 people left at the party, so everyone else had gone back to, to gone to this other person's house that allegedly was having a party. 
When the officers rang the bell, Tyler told everyone to be quiet and they hid in his room. He opened the front door. The cops explained that there was kind of like noise complaints. Tyler just spoke to him a few minutes and said kind of like, just keep the noise down. Nothing's going on here. Blah, blah, blah. The cops left. They just said, yeah, the, it's it's over kind of thing. And the party started again. Michael Mandel finally decided that it was time to leave the party but he actually hid 10 Percocet pills from Tyler as he was leaving because Tyler told him that he was going to commit suicide. So he hid them in like a, I think it was like a hallway closet or something he hid them in. So as it approached about 4am, everyone had started to leave and Tyler then posted to Facebook saying, party in my house again, hit me up. Unbeknownst to Tyler, Michael Mandel and Mark Andrews had both called Crime Stoppers as soon as they got home about what Tyler had told them. So they rang straight away, okay, and basically said, this is what he's told us, okay. Officers Adrian Zamoyski and Charles Green were dispatched to 371 Northeast Granger Avenue at 4.32am. There were three cars in the front of the house, a cream-coloured Lincoln, a black Toyota Tacoma truck and a red Ford Expedition. They ran, obviously, the licence plates. The first car was registered to Tyler and the two other cars were his parents' cars. Okay, so there was three cars in the yeah. driveway. As the officers walked up the drive, they heard someone talking inside the house. Officer Green saw through the front bay window the shadow of a person kind of walking back and forth. Green knelt by the window and peered in through the blinds. Tyler was seen pacing around the living room, talking to himself within his his words, a very disturbing look on his face. He said his eyes were very wide and he was not blinking. He saw Tyler grab a stack of books from a bookshelf and then march them to the back bedroom, being the bedroom that his parents' bedroom was in the master bedroom. And he did this a few times and he was kind of like muttering to himself, but like quite frantically. So he was all over the place. Obviously still fucked fucked off his face on drugs so they finally kind of knocked the door kind of find out what was going on um but there was no answer but green could see that tyler was actually they could see him through the window but he was walking away from the door so the lights then went off in the house but tyler then opened the door okay so he's acting really weird at this point like really doing really odd things they asked him if there was any adults home tyler said no he seemed, as we said before, frantic, incoherent, basically just pissed off, and his pupils were very, very large. He said to them, I know I'm going to Rock Road, he told Officer Green, referring to the address of St. Lucie County Jail, so just take me. Yeah, so he just said, I know I'm going to Rock Road, just take me. So he handcuffed him and kind of led him away, and then the officer went into the house. Tyler shouted to him, you can't go in there, don't go in there. Right. So he's freaking out. As the officers made their way through the house, they could see the devastation and they found the two family dogs locked away. Not known by who, obviously, but Sophie, a black lab, was locked away in a fucking wardrobe. And a senior, partially deaf and blind beagle, was found cowering in the shower. It's just two family dogs, like poor fucking animals. As they went through the kitchen, the officers saw streaks of blood on the frame and on the baseboards near the master bedroom. So they attempted to open the door, but they noticed it was locked. So obviously they forced entry and they were greeted by the grisly, grisly crime scene that Michael Mandel had come across as well when he'd seen it. Mm-hmm. So when the home was searched, the police found prescription bottles in Tyler's name for hydrocosine. It's kind of like a mild anti-anxiety medication, as well as citroplan. Um, that's an antidepressant, and that can actually increase the risk of suicide in adolescence. Right. So that might explain some right. of his behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was this the push? Was these drugs the push that encouraged Tyler to kill both of his parents in cold blood? Was it part of it? I mean, that'll be that'll be our listeners to make that mind up. This is this is one of those cases where you will have to make your own mind up on what you think the reasoning for him doing this was. So 
just a little bit of a trigger warning for you now. I am going to discuss both of their autopsies. Okay, so if you don't want to hear that, you can skip ahead. But I am going to cover the trauma that they both suffered. So Blake had suffered multiple blunt trauma injuries to his body. His nose was, nose was completely broken at the base of the nose. He'd suffered multiple abrasions and impacts to his face. His skull was smashed in several spots, and these fractures were actually visible through the skin. His right temporal lobe, which is the part of the brain that controls the hearing, had multiple lacerations and cuts, and the brain itself was floating in blood. It was swelled up from the repeated hammer strikes to the skull. Blake's legs were broken, each fibula shattered in pieces. The medical examiner exam counted that at least 65 blunt trauma injuries, including massive skull, skull fractures, were, in, were given to him. Mary Jo's autopsy showed that her son had hit her with so much force into the back of the head that her spine fractured. And this was possibly from her hyperextending during her attack. Like, so basically turning around yeah. when she was being attacked. Mary Jo suffered from seven broken ribs, which actually punctured her left lung. She ex suffered extensive injuries visible to her brain via the claw end of the hammer. 14 wounds across her back and lacerations of all sizes on her face and neck. The medical examiner actually described her skull as being pulverised. The top of the head was cut so badly that what was left of her skull was clearly visible. The funeral was attended to by over a thousand mourners. Um, she was actually a really active part in the church as well. She was really, really loved in the church. So you can imagine how many people attended, attended yeah, yeah to, to see them. At the wake of the funeral, Ryan Wallace, obviously the next door neighbour that called the police originally, um, she approached Ryan, so the brother, the their other son, um, he'd actually planned to return to Port St. Lucie after graduating from college to work alongside his dad at the power plant. Um, he mentioned to her that he was going to Port St. Lucie prison to actually visit his brother that day. And it was the first time he was going to see his brother since he'd killed his parents. He told her that, quote, it's what my parents would want me to do. They wouldn't want me to abandon him. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'll probably just sit there and cry. So I'll just warn you now, um, this bit might really piss you off. So just forewarning, Tyler's friends, um, they didn't kind of know what the real motive behind his actions were, um, but they had their own ideas. So some thought that it could have just been so he could have a party. Some thought it was because of the, like, the drugs that he would basically took that had messed him up. Um, but an 18-year-old girl who attended the party only knew him vaguely, didn't know him very well, blamed Blake and Mary Jo for their own murders. Blamed them. So she said, quote, he was under a lot of pressure and like his parents would never let him be himself. And honestly, I think they just caused everything that just happened. His parents always expect him to be someone else that he wasn't. And that's not right. Anything Tyler would do, he'd be wrong for it. He just broke. Honestly, he got crazy because of it. If you have that much hate for somebody, then you actually would do something like that. End quote. Sounds like she's a fucking crazy nut too. She sounds like a cunt. Excuse mm. the language, doesn't she? Who the fuck would cross her? Don't cross this woman because if she don't like you, she might kill you. Oh, she a bunny boiler. Yeah, she might top you off. So on the morning after the party, the news kind of broke um, to all the teenagers that had attended the party about what had happened. So a couple of the people that were at this party, they were actually at the beach and they all started getting notifications. One of the lads that actually were at the party, he said, quote, I was like, damn, brother, that's creepy as hell. I can't believe we partied last night where there was dead people. Hmm. A 16-year-old cheerleader said, I wasn't upset when I heard. I wasn't scared or disgusted. It's not like I knew him personally. I was just in awe. These people sound like absolute scumbags that were at this party. Like, they could sound like zombies. Don't they? Anthony Snook um, actually found out about the murders. He was one of the guys that we spoke about previously. He said, quote, 
Well, I just went to a party of a lifetime. It's messed up what he did. But 20 years from now, I'll be able to say I was there. I hate Port St. Lucie, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, but, you know, the old kids are on there. They're young and dumb. Very young and dumb. <laughs> you know Very I mean? young and dumb. But then we've all said dumb things, haven't we? Do you know what I mean? Remember you... Remember, uh, this remember shit you is in to... the media, though, for, yeah, to follow but, them around forever. Yeah, but, you know, you're saying, like, oh, yeah, I was at that party 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? That that does bring up a conversation. Do you know what I mean? That is an icebreaker. It's an icebreaker, know? not or, one that I would be telling everybody, though. No, but, like, if it came up in conversation, do you know what I mean? Like, our conversation, oh, do you remember that, blah, blah, blah? And I goes, yeah, I was actually there at the party that night. Tyler, um, he d- didn't really change much, to be honest with you. He didn't really have much remorse for what he did. Um, a fellow inmate had told police that Tyler actually signed jailhouse autographs and that he called himself Hammerboy. Yep. I'm a dickhead. He says that he talked with the devil according to the files released by prosecutors. But you don't know what's going through people's minds. Yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? I know. He just, you know, the medication probably didn't help. His parents didn't didn't help. You know, I'm not justifying what he done was obviously right. You know, but everyone has a breaking point. He obviously reached his. You don't kill your parents. No, you don't. But again, do you know what I mean? Did, was that the medication? Do you know what I mean? That pushed him over the edge? Was it the drugs that he was pushing out? Was it the fucking pure boredom of a shitty town? You have town? to make your own mind up on this one. You know, you, it's... He, no, none of them has ever said why he did... He's never and said I, why and, he's done it. And I don't think you're ever going to know of why Not he for sure, it. no. I just think he reached a breaking breaking point. You know yeah. What I mean? And it, was, it wasn't just the breaking point. It was just something led to that breaking point yeah, do you know I what agree, i mean yeah. you know yeah and he just thought fuck this i'm just gonna kill do you know what i mean yeah i'm not done what he what he done was right because it isn't no it's not do you know what i mean it's just far far from it but how do you know you wouldn't do that in five years time how do you know that you ain't gonna do that to me i might wind you up that much Snap. i mean you wind me up every single fucking day you test my patience yeah, but, that's my but job. you <laughs> But I know you don't. You don't. I know you I wouldn't kill you. You can't say you don't. Yes, know. I do. No. Yes, I do. You might go. You know what? You wait, mate. I'm gonna poison your food slowly but surely, mate. You keep testing me like you have today, well, then you I might then. fucking end up topping you. Well, there you go, then. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and this will be used at my trial. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Hope, hope it fucking they do. Yeah. Tyler was charged with two counts of first degree murder, obviously. But he wouldn't actually be facing the death penalty for this. So the reason he wasn't facing the death penalty was because he was a few months shy of his 18th birthday. Lucky, lucky boy. It would be just a matter of how long he would actually be serving and if he would actually be found guilty. Okay, so there's obviously different ways that can he claim insanity or what? Yeah. So Tyler's attorneys actually were seeking the insanity defence. Okay. Thank God, though, they quickly kind of dropped that ball. And in 2014, he pled no contest to two counts of first-degree murder with a weapon. Okay. During all of this, Ryan Hadley, his brother, actually placed a civil complaint in St. Lucie County Court to stop his brother from receiving any inheritance from his parents' estate, which in theory he actually could have. Okay. He had to place these these um, declarations so that his brother couldn't claim anything from him. Right. And you got to remember, his brother Ryan was over 18. Tyler was under 18. So Ryan would have, in theory, become his guardian. Yeah. Because he's under 18. Um, Tyler spent the next two years in state prison, um, but he actually won an appeal that overturned his life terms and actually sent his case back for a new sentence in hearing. This was because people that know heard of this, there's a lot of cases that their cases got kind of like turned back because of this this law that came in. Um, in 2012, the US Supreme Court actually won a case which barred automatic mandatory life sentences and prison terms for minors. So there was a hell of a lot of court cases that were before 2012, before this law that came in, that had to be revisited, that people could appeal on, 
because of this new law. So there was fucking loads of them. We will cover loads of them because there's loads of cases that this law came into place and people have been like released right. or they've been resentenced because of this law coming in. He was taken back to court and he faced a new sentencing hearing and so did the Hadley family as well. Luckily, though, in December 2018, Tyler Hadley was resentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But they did place a judicial review mechanism in it, which meant that he couldn't appeal again on the grounds that he'd used this time. Okay, so he couldn't appeal. He is now currently sat in... I looked up this word, so I didn't fuck it up. I think it is... Okikobi, Okikobi Correctional Institution. And that's where he's been kind of serving his time. Not quietly, though. He's been caught with tools. He's got into fights. Um, he's refused to sign documents for reprimands. <laughs> he got into a fight within his first few weeks there because they do like this birthday party thing. So, like, everyone will make like cakes and stuff for someone's part, uh, like birthday. And he ate this guy's cake. <laughs> whose birthday it was. Um, so he's basically just going around being a prick, pretty much. Um, and he still introduces himself as Hannibal, Hammer Boy to people that are new in the prison. And he revels in basically what he did, and he uses it kind of like a status, by the sounds of it. Um, the Hadley home was never lived in again after this, and thank God in 2015 it was demolished. So the house no longer stands where it was, um, thank God, because that must there must be some fucking horrible juju in that house, like for that to happen. Imagine that juju in that house. Well, if you believe that, yeah, yeah. I am a believer. So yeah, right. yeah, so that's the case for today. The awful case of the Hadley murders. What did you think of that one, babe? Oh, that was good. It was yeah, it was. Um... It was good. <laughs> no, I know I enjoyed it. It was interesting. Um... Yeah, I think the teens are obviously dumb with some of their statements, but, you know, we were all teenagers at one point. I'm sure we always said a lot of dumb, dumb yeah. things. I think the problem is, is that because all this stuff is in the media and it's in interviews and all this stuff, they're never going to be able to live this things that, these things down. I mean, Michael Mandel, his best friend, stated that, you know, he's really suffered with this. He's suffered because he's known as being best friends with the guy that killed yeah, his whole course, family. Yeah, of course, kind of thing. you know what I mean? It, but then you go on, but then you can say, we say that about every, every case we've covered. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like the murderer and they've still got parents and they've got to then live with it. Even if yeah, the murderer's yeah. gone to jail for life or died or whatever, yeah. parents just got to live with it. Or if they've yeah. got sisters and brothers, like obviously in this case, he had a brother. Ryan, yeah. The brother's got to still live with it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, you, oh you're the person that. Mum and dad, your fucking, brother, yeah, yeah. brother killed, killed the parents, killed your yeah. mum and dad. Do you know what I mean? Are you going to be like that? Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you always have that stigma, aren't you? I mean, he had nobody left, bless him. Like Ryan, I mean, he did have obviously extended family, yeah, of course, but he had nobody left after this. You know, he lost all three of them. He lost his brother and his mum and dad. No, yeah. And his but... mum and dad, he said his mum and dad were amazing. He said they were amazing people, and and basically he said Tyler was a fucking pathological liar. Yeah. That's what he said. None of the family have gone to visit um, Tyler. Like, none of them basically, like, have anything to do with him. He doesn't visit them. He's just doing whatever. I can't see anywhere if his brother still visits him. Yeah. But his family, I know, don't visit him. He's just left to rot, pretty much. Which is the best place for him. Yes, but then how do you, how do you fucking leave family? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's a hard one. How do you turn your back on family when the fact when obviously, you know, if he need he needed help, he obviously needs help now. Do you know what I mean? If he's got fucking no one, mm. you know, what else is he gonna do? Yeah. If he had maybe had someone, an outlet or something, maybe this would have never happened. You just don't know, and I don't think we can ever you're never gonna truly you're never gonna know, know, but do you know what I mean? If the circumstances were different. When your family and friends turn your back on you, do you know what I mean? You do what yeah. you gotta do at the end of the day. Yeah, you don't yeah, you know. yeah. I think it's a hard one because my upbringing is very, very different to your upbringing, and my version of family is very different to what your version of family oh, of is. Um, I was very lucky, uh, you know. I was very. I mean, I grew up in an area where there wasn't a hell of a lot to do. No, um, 
But I don't know. I mean, you guys make your decision on what you think of this one. I mean, I think it's very much going to be split on what people think, whether you, you know, you think it was a mental health aspect of it, whether you think it was the drugs that he was doing from kind of 12, 13 years old. Do you think it was the medication that he was given? I mean, what what do you all think? What's your opinion on this case? I think, personally, it was the drugs, the the recreational drugs he was taking. Because he was taking a fucking hell of a lot of drugs. It wasn't just ecstasy he was taking. He was taking a hell of a lot of pills. I mean, he was known for being, like, a proper pill popper. Um, And he was a heavy drinker. So, you know, you all make your mind up on what you think. What do you think was responsible for this? Do you think he was a cold-blooded killer? He planned it so he could have a party? Or... Do you think it was mental health or do you think it was drugs? What do you all think? Um, we'll leave that for you to kind of guys to ponder, won't we, babe? Will. Um, so we will post the pictures onto our social media, um, on our Instagram, and I will actually upload this onto YouTube as well. And I will link all of them below in our show notes um, to might kind of make them easier, accessible. Um, and I think that's pretty much it for today, isn't it, babe? Have yeah. you got anything to say or add or anything no, like that? No, I've... I've uh, no, You've so... said your bit. <laughs> so as I said, I'll post everything, all of our socials and everything in the show notes for today's case. But we appreciate you all listening and we appreciate your time and we hope you guys have a nice weekend. Thanks, guys. See you Bye. later. Bye-bye.